0: Thanks to Grammarly for supporting Industry Focus. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. Start writing confidently by going to grammarly.com/fool to get 20% off a Grammarly Premium account today. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, September 13th, and we're talking about everything from Apple's recent event. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Evan New with me on Skype. Evan, this is kind of like your Christmas, huh?
1: Yeah, it's that time of year. It's iPhone week.
0: iPhone week. And, uh, you know, everyone's writing about this, but you are one of my favorite people to read when it comes to all things Apple. You've been covering the company for such a long time. You know the yearly cadence, you have the charts to break down everything that's going on. We're going to be talking about the hardware side of their business, some of the more flashy upgrades uh, that we got with some of their product lines. And then we're going to be talking about the services side of their business, too. Uh, why don't we kick things off? talking about the iPhone. This is the bread and butter segment for them. It's where most of the money comes from. What's new?
1: Not a lot. So, um, <clears throat> this year it's the iPhone 11 and the iPhone 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max. And the 11 basically takes the place of the iPhone 10R from last year. And then the 11 Pro and 11 Pro Max Respectively, take the place of the 10s and 10s Max. All screen sizes are pretty much the same. Uh, basically, all the cameras are, or all the phones are getting an extra camera. So, for example, the iPhone 11 now has a dual camera system compared to the single camera on the 10R. The you know flagships 11 Pro and Pro Max. I now have a triple camera system versus the dual camera from the uh, past couple of years. So that's the, kind of the big upgrade there. Uh, one kind of you know smaller but probably more really meaningful upgrade is that the battery life. So the iPhone 11 Pro gets four hours more battery life than the 10s, and the 11 Pro Max gets like five hours more than the 10s Max. So that's a pretty massive jump. That's like the biggest jump in battery life we've seen in many many years. So I think that they are you know making a lot of progress in terms of their work on uh, power efficiency which you know, they can do because they spend so much time designing their own silicon now.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of fewer surprises with the core form factor. You know, we have some changes with the cameras and things like that, but by and large, a lot of the improvements that we're seeing are kind of under the hood with this device.
1: Right. I mean, these are still more or less the same designs that we we've, we've seen for the past couple of years. Of course, Apple likes to say their new designs whenever they tweak any part of it, which in this case they tweak the camera bumps and camera you know parts because they had add the extra cameras. Um, but you know, on top of that, though, there there are some other improvements to the the Pro models uh, because they've you know when you call something a Pro model, you have to kind of be able to justify that. So in this case, they're using similar display technology that is comparable to what they're putting in their upcoming uh, Pro Display XDR, which is stands for Extended Dynamic Range. So, there's some uh, improvements on display. It does get a little bit brighter, um, but you know, pretty minor little bumps. Uh, overall, size is still the same as mentioned. Um, so, yeah.
0: So, uh, the, the folks that love gadgets might have loved the specs breakdown there. I think the investing folks are like, OK, let's talk price. And I think that's where we got a little bit more of a surprise than we were possibly expecting.
1: Right, so the iPhone 11 uh, starts at seven hundred dollars, which is down from seven fifty for the 10R a year ago, and that's pretty meaningful. But the, because this is actually the first time, uh, or actually maybe not the first time, but it's very rare for Apple to actually come down on iPhone prices. You know, if you go back many years, the iPhone used to sell for six hundred fifty bucks just always starts at 650 and then you know a couple years ago started creeping up and then it went to 700 then it went to 750 and then they did this thousand dollar iphone 10 so they've been creeping up for the past few years which you know really helped their average selling prices back when we actually had that data but now what we're seeing is they're coming back down as an acknowledgement that hey maybe these phones are priced too high which is hurting demand hurting unit sales particularly in emerging markets where apple's always been kind of weak because the, the phones are simply just too expensive
0: Yeah, it seems to me like Apple was kind of testing the limits of their pricing power and seeing what they might be able to do there. Of course, you know, this is a company, as we've talked about before. They have to make money on the hardware that they're selling. That's the model. They're very used to getting some pretty solid hardware margins, and it is such a large part of their business that they can't just bring devices down to parity with what you might see over with Android devices in some developing parts of the world. But this does seem to be an acknowledgment that, okay, if we want our products to be more palatable in places like China, um, we do need to make them a little bit more competitive on price.
1: Right, exactly. And, you know, it, they, they are saving money in the sense of, you know, In general, when Apple introduces new products, they they start at the height of the cost curve and they put all this money into manufacturing infrastructure and all these kind of long-lived assets that they end up amortizing over time. So basically, those costs slowly come down over time. And the more they use this infrastructure, the more... The, you know, efficient it becomes from a capital uses perspective. So, what we're seeing now, since the 11 is basically the same as the 10R with some minor tweaks, they, they are start, you know, the costs for the manufacturing are starting to come down. And instead of pocketing those savings, they're passing them along to consumers in the form of these lower prices.
0: So, we also got some updates on a couple of their other hardware segments. Seems like the general theme here is incremental upgrades
1: right so there's a new entry-level ipad um, <clears throat> they you know the the cheapest 329 model it gets like a slightly bigger display is now 10.2 inch a couple other minor improvements like it supports other you know like the keyboard accessories and things like this nothing really game changing there uh they're supposedly working on an ipad pro but they didn't say anything maybe that'll come out next month because sometimes they have events in October, but just have to wait and see on that front. Uh, an Apple Watch, also pretty minor. So Series 5 gets an always-on display, uh, and they're adding a bunch of other material choices for the cases, so you can now get titanium. Not sure why they're going back and forth with the ceramic, but it's back. You know, They had discontinued it last year, but you know, it's back for what it's worth. And same thing, though. The, the Watch Series 5 is also another story about power efficiency because they're... The, the display can dynamically adjust this refresh rate all the way down to just one hertz, which means one time per second, uh, which is kind of how they can have it always on. So you can always read the time. So it makes it a little bit more convenient. So you don't have to have to like tap your watch to wake it up or sometimes the watch doesn't recognize when you're lifting it, you know, you know turning it to face your face you. So, you know, it's, it's, again, very minor stuff. And I'm personally not buying any of it, which is kind of surprising for me.
0: Yeah, usually you are a hardcore Apple early adopter. You know, I, I do think about some of these improvements, and what I hope is that with these battery life improvements that we see, you know, people are always super excited when they get their hands on the new model and the performance is incredible compared to what they used to have, because they're a couple of generations behind. The operating system and all the apps that come along with it have been upgraded and they find that the battery power gets zapped like that. Apple has been slightly better, I think, recently at making their products last a little bit longer and not be immediately nullified by these OS updates, uh, I hope that if they're making some significant improvements in battery life, that's something that will continue to be enjoyed You know, when we're a couple of generations away from these devices down the road.
1: Right. And I think that's the key is that a lot of people these days and the average upgrade time in the US is now getting close to three years. It's a, I think it's around 33 months. This is going to be my first three year cycle, for, which is kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that a lot of what they're doing is really on the power efficiency side. So for example, the battery life improvements on the iPhone are mostly about... <laughs> increased efficiency with the A13 bionic chip because the sheer capacity of the battery itself is not going up very much. I think it's going up a tiny bit, but that's not what's a, what's attributable to this big increase in battery life. And by the time that you upgrade, so you know, for example, people that are upgrading this year are probably coming off like an iPhone 7, iPhone 8. And if you have an iPhone 10 or later, it's, it's not really a big change.
0: All right. We are going to talk about the services side of the business in a minute. But before we do, thanks to Grammarly for supporting our podcast. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students and top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. So Let's talk about the product for a second. Grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter, easily improve yourself and your communication at school, work, and almost anywhere with Grammarly. The tool helps people show their best self through writing, and it's available across platforms, including online browser extensions, desktop editor, and a mobile keyboard checker. And Grammarly comes with some dynamite features. It's available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Edge, and platforms iOS, Android, Windows, and Mac. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar issues, and Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar, plus advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocab suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. You can help accomplish your goals with help from Grammarly. Stop making email typos on your phone. You can close more deals at work this year with your emails and polish up your resume to help get that new job. I know a lot of our contract writers use Grammarly, and I have to say it's awesome having a second set of eyes on any articles they submit before I see them. A lot less back and forth on the edits because of it. Listeners, if you're interested, go to grammarly.com/fool to get 20% off your Grammarly premium account. That's grammarly.com/fool for 20% off your Grammarly premium account. All right, Evan, so we've split the show up basically the way that investors have looked at Apple. We talked hardware in the first half. We're going to talk primarily software and what that means is services now on the second half. This is a segment that Apple has spent a lot of time emphasizing over the past couple of years.
1: Right. So earlier this year, they unveiled four different services, uh, at least if you consider the Apple credit card service, which I do because it contributes to their services segment. But then they also unveiled Apple News Plus, which launched back in March, and then they announced Apple Arcade and Apple TV Plus. So that was you know, six months ago, and the whole time we've been waiting for more details on, very specifically, pricing and, as well as availability. And so they finally provided that information this week. So both services will be $5 each per month, uh, which is about what people expected for Apple Arcade, but also less than what people expected for Apple TV+. Apple Arcade launches later this month, and then TV Plus launches in November.
0: I think the pricing on this is really interesting, and I'm reminded a little bit of the conversation that we had about smart speakers a little while back, Evan. You know, we we ran through the market share of all of the major smart speaker manufacturers, and noticeably absent from that list was Apple, right? And we made the point that Apple generally needs to make money on the hardware that they sell because they're a hardware-oriented business. Companies like Amazon do not; they can sell things at cost because they are really pushing the platform. Well, What we're seeing here on the streaming side is, Apple doesn't really need to make money on streaming. You know, They can have it be a nice kicker and eventually grow it over time, but they're really willing to put out a low cost, build a big audience for any of these products they're putting out there. Conversely, a company like Netflix, they're a pure play on streaming, and they need to charge enough to be able to make money on their services, Evan.
1: Right. I think that it's really more of, to me, like an acknowledgement that, hey, this service was not going to be competitive with all, everything that's out there and everything that's coming out there at 10 bucks a month. Because if you remember, Disney Plus launches in November as well, about two weeks later than Apple TV Plus. And Disney Plus is going to have like thousands of shows. Apple will have nine. So you, you can't charge 10 bucks a month for a service that has nine shows, no matter how good they are. It's just it just doesn't add up and people aren't going to pay for it out of pocket so I think that they're they're kind of acknowledging that in a way and at the same time they're also being very generous with this Uh, they're offering a year free of service anytime you buy a device uh, as a limited time promotion. And over the fourth quarter, over the holiday shopping season, they're going to sell 90 to 100 million devices that will be eligible for this promotion. So that's giving away a ton of free memberships and subscriptions, getting people on for free. I don't think very many people are going to sign up for this out of pocket separately. Uh, so I think that they're, what they're basically doing in my mind is that they're saying, hey, we're not in any rush to recoup all this money that we've invest- invested so far in original content, we're basically going to give away a year, but then that buys us some time and then say that, you're, over the next year, we're going to be adding more and more stuff. And by the time that year, that free year is up, hopefully the catalog will be strong enough to convince people to renew their subscriptions. And they might even increase the price over time as they start adding more and more stuff. But right now it's just, it's barely worth five bucks a month. Definitely not 10.
0: Yeah, the strategy is kind of interesting because um, you think about Netflix, right? And so much of the stuff that they featured early on was other people's content that they were paying. Uh, some license to use and over time they were able to roll originals into the strategy and then originals became how they were keeping people right that was kind of the tentpole franchise the house of cards the oranges and the new black um apple is saying okay we're going to start with what we think are some pretty interesting franchises we know the catalog isn't that big we're going to grow it over time strictly on originals which which seems kind of interesting it's it's an admission i think that this is going to take a while to build up into something that people are really willing to pay for
1: Right, so I definitely think they're kind of in the long game, and at the same time, as Apple Arcade thing is actually pretty interesting too, because mobile gaming is such a huge business and in industry that nowadays, and Apple reportedly invest, is investing about five hundred million dollars into this this program to get people on board. So at five bucks a month, you know, if they can just get hundred million people to sign up, they'll make that back in a year, and you know, the whole idea is to provide a new monetization model for mobile games because mobile gaming is dominated by freemium uh revenue models which is really competitive and really hard to kind of differentiate so the idea is if you just pay five bucks a month you'll get access to all these really high quality games so we'll see how how they do but you know the overall combined effect is going to be you know they're probably going to accelerate their growth in paid subscriptions because right now they're at about 420 million paid subscriptions their goal that they had set earlier this year was to hit 500 million at some point in 2020. And they've been adding 30 million a quarter for the past like seven quarters, so they're they're very much on track to hit that target by early next year. But you know, with these new services, that could potentially accelerate you know, how, how quickly they're adding these subscriptions.
0: We've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, over the past couple of years, talking about the interesting ways that Apple chooses to report some of their numbers. You know, comparing them to Fortune 500 companies, to Fortune 200 companies, um, talking about their relevance in all these different ways. Uh, I'll be very curious to see what winds up coming out for their reporting when it comes to some of these services, particularly because so many of the users, uh, especially on the TV side, are going to be free for such a long time.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it'll be interesting how they, how they classify all those free users, because there's going to be a lot of them, in my opinion. And they're not going to convert into paid subscriptions for quite some time. So, it'll be interesting to see what they say, particularly in the management commentary that they give over the next couple of conference calls with how these services are doing and what kind of reception that they're, they're seeing.
0: Yeah, well, we will wait and see, and we will happily report on it. Apple is one of our favorite companies to talk about. Evan, thanks for hopping on today's show. Thanks for having me. Alright, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus@fool.com, or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can catch some of our live broadcasts, new program that we're running over on YouTube. We're doing them weekly. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear thanks to Dan Boyd for all his work behind the glass. He is my version of Grammarly. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on!